Hello, and welcome to another episode of Building PA Podcast, a podcast for construction professionals living right here in the great state of Pennsylvania. I am uh, one of your co-hosts. I'm John O'Brien from the Keystone Contractors Association, and I'm joined by my other co-host, Chris. Hi, this is Chris Martin with Atlas Marketing. We tell stories for people who build things. We have an uh, excellent episode today. You know, we touch on so many topics, with whether it's uh, you know, workforce development, legislation, construction contracts. But I think that's my favorite is when we talk, when we talk about safety. Nothing beats construction safety, and we have a, uh, a bona fide superstar in the area of safety, Darren Reck from Alexander Building Construction. Welcome, Darren. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so, so one thing we uh, started with this podcast is, you know, make sure to touch on a lot of construction uh, industry topics. And when it comes to safety, we have this series and we're lining up with contractors just to get their, their feedback and their comments related to uh, building a safety culture. So, you know, welcome to the podcast and let's talk about building a safety culture. What do you say, Darren? You ready? Sure. Yeah. You have any uh, opening <laughs> comments for our crowd, <laughs> our audience? Uh, not necessarily, I guess. Uh, my experience in construction is uh, over 12 years in various managerial roles, and uh, I actually have a safety science degree from IUP. So I actually went to school for, for safety, and uh, you know I've been doing it now for, geez, almost 30 years, uh, so in various industries. And how long have you been at Alexander? So I'll be, uh, it'll be in June, it'll be seven years with Alexander as a safety director. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes, we cover State College and Harrisburg and uh, the surrounding regions, you know, York, Lancaster, and um, Williamsport, if necessary. Wherever the job is, that's where I go. Okay. So you're corporate-wide, Alexander-wide. You're the, the safety guru, correct? That's correct. I My title is safety director. We have at Alexander uh, a project in uh, Mechanicsburg, the Hampton Medical Center project. It's a Penn State Health project, and we have a site safety coordinator on that particular project. In State College, we had a site safety coordinator on uh, our Petit Library project, and since uh, that project completed, we have her uh, moving around the different jobs in that state college region. So it sort of helps me, and uh, she does a lot of the site assessments and whatever's needed on those particular projects in that region. Well, that's a good place to start. So, so let's talk about the, the two people you're mentioning there. How, how do you build a safety culture within them? You know, how do you, how do you coach them along? Yeah, so my approach personally is one of coaching and mentoring. I'm not necessarily, uh, there were days of safety cops, if you will, back years ago. And in this day and age with the workforce and um, different types of people working, really the, the method to get through to people is through coaching and mentoring and really just having uh an opportunity to build alliances with these people and build a rapport, build relationships, um, you know, rather than the old yelling method or uh, throwing somebody off the job. So 
that's sort of my approach with uh, R2 site safety coordinators, and um, they've done a good job adapting to our industry, especially the building construction, and uh, have come, you know, a long way in just, you know, sending that message out to their folks on their particular projects and in their region as well. So you get a sense and you see that the the buy-in is there, you know, the, the people, your two safety professionals and all the professionals are kind of buying into the safety culture. Yes, absolutely. You know, we uh, our owners, and we have some important owners who who really value safety. And so, uh, when we can provide a site safety coordinator, you know, on one project, that's that's pretty rare. Usually, it's uh, one person per company hitting, you know, multiple jobs and doing site assessments and you know compliance, uh, regulatory assessments, things like that. So, when you have multiple people. You know, you can create more of a focus on safety, and you can drill down a lot more in, into the uh, training, um, incident investigation, site assessments, and, you know, just have a well-rounded safety program. Do, do you find that the employees outside of the safety department are, are embracing safety? I mean, I, I, I've been working in construction for about 30 years, just like you, and it seems to be this Everybody loves everybody not loves it, but everybody knows it's of, of its importance. Everybody recognizes how how vital it is to the job site. But do people really buy into into that safety culture? Yeah, it's a great question. And in reality, you have buy in at various levels. Uh, certain individuals will buy into it more so than others. And I find also that certain project teams will buy into safety more so than others. Uh, they'll support the safety approach. They'll do the initiatives that we typically set out for on those particular projects. So, you know, it's, it's constantly up and down. And um, we, we push this buy-in on, you know, a constant basis. And again, it's really a lot of chemistry between the project teams. And, and you hope that you have a team that a few people are buying into it and at least take the lead uh, on safety for that particular project because the way we're set up is just really uh, the site safety super, I'm sorry, the site superintendent is in charge of safety ultimately. But we have project managers, we have project engineers, and uh, also carpenters working on these projects. So we, our approach is really to encourage everybody to buy in the safety and, and have a stake in the safety approach. If you see something, step up and do something to fix it. So that's really our method of um, safety and uh, communication is if you see something, make sure you step up. It's not just the superintendent's job. Um, so that's really what uh, we try to push here. Well, and, and to that point, what, what are some best practices that that you and that you've you've seen instituted or are looking to institute at Alexander as it relates to that buy-in. So typically, uh, some of the methods we've uh, incorporated were just toolbox talks, for instance. Um, discuss a task with your teams, perform a morning huddle, and discuss what task you're going to do that week, and have a, a review of that task and sign off by each team member. So everybody has buy-in. Um, we also do what's called a job safety analysis. And really what that entails is reviewing what the hazards are for the task you are about to uh, 
complete. So do you have the right equipment for the job? Has everyone understood what is needed? Does everyone understand the hazards? And so as a team, you have different levels of experience. Some guy might be working for 30 plus years. You may have a guy who's, you know, maybe less than a year in the industry. So there's such a variety of experience. And really what we're trying to do is between each team member, just communicate what the hazards are that they see um, and, and make sure they understand how they're going to approach that. And what did we do to eliminate or minimize the hazard? So the job safety analysis, and we call it the thing card, is something that we really push and we want to make sure that we understand what tasks uh, and what the hazards are before we jump into tasks. So oftentimes when I do incident investigations, a lot of times the, the uh, correct or the root cause was some, something to the effect of, well, we just, you know, we did something stupid or we knew better. And so, you know, many times if they would just think through the task and pause before doing something, then often you get a good positive result. So that's what we constantly encourage is the JSA's job safety analysis. Um, another thing we do on a monthly basis, we typically have what's called a site safety uh, stand down, and we will have a huddle, and it entails uh, a group of foremen, carpenters, uh, it could be uh, project managers, and we all walk the site together, and we look for observations uh, with deficiencies and uh, things that need corrected. And also, um, you know, just pointing out things of areas of improvement. And it's a real collaborative approach. No one's yelling at each other or finger pointing. So it's real positive buy-in from everybody. And we typically do that once a month. And, you know, we would buy lunch. Maybe it's, uh, you know, grilling hot dogs or hamburgers on the, on the grill and, and just, you know, stand around and talk safety for maybe an hour, hour and a half with everybody on the job site. And um, so the, the personnel working, they typically have a good feedback response to us. And, um, you know, it's, it's well-received. So it's been an effective way of promoting safety and, and thinking about what they're, what they're doing before they jump into their tasks. When you say everyone on the job site, so you're including subs, consultants, anyone that might be on the team. Yeah, not, so, not just your you know, out yeah, that's correct. So at Alexander, we're we're a construction manager, and we have uh, mostly subcontractors on our project. So uh, these walkthroughs will be mostly subcontractors. Oftentimes, the owner will jump in and and join us, but primarily it's Alexander, our subcontractors, and uh, the owner um, at certain times or the client. What what's the owner's take on 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 not only the walkthrough but the the culture of safety for Alexander. Yeah, so you know, more and more these days, we're finding owners who really look at safety and the culture of safety within your company. Um, what we have is, uh, in every every company has what's called an experience modification rating, and mm-hmm. it's a number used by insurance companies to gauge both past costs injuries, and future chances of risk. Um, So the lower the EMR of your business, the lower your workers' compensation insurance premiums will be. And so what we're finding is a lot of owners are really looking at that number. So if you have an EMR, for instance, of 1.0, that's considered the industry average. Uh, 
And so to mitigate the insurance risk, they raise the workers' comp premiums when your EMR starts creeping up over 1.0, right? And so, you know, the bad news is the as an EMR increases, it sticks with you for about three years. So it doesn't go away after, say, a year. And uh, as I said, more and more clients are starting to look at that, uh, that particular number. And, and you know, I, I sort of use the analogy of if you have your auto insurance premium, you know, on your personal vehicle and you get into maybe two or three accidents a year, you know, what happens with your premiums? They shoot up, Right. So the same thing is, is the case for workers' comp insurance. And, uh, again, a lot of companies, a lot of owners, clients are starting to look at that EMR a little closely when they uh, do their due process and select uh, a firm for a particular project. So it's a very important number. I heard a uh, – I was at a conference recently, and I heard a comment. I think the general contractor from New York City, I believe, and he made the comment that, these young professionals that are coming out of school, you know, they've been born and raised their whole lives with safety. Safety's all around them. They're always safe. They're always thinking about everything around them. And the educational uh, process is doing a great job of preaching, you know, safety first. He was saying it's the old-timers on the job site. It's the subs, you know, <laughs> the guys that have been in forever, and they're like, oh, I'm just doing it. I'm doing it this way. I've always done it that way, you know, so. I yeah. just wanted to get your feedback on that comment. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's interesting. And I mentioned earlier my approach to safety is more of coaching and, and mentoring. And, you know, as, as we grow older into this business of safety and, and some of our industry uh, um, experience and senior guys move on, you know, I'm seeing a shift in culture from that mentality. Uh, these you know, a lot of these guys are getting older and they're starting to feel their aches and pains and, you know, things that, that, that are creeping up after years of working in the construction industry. So, you know, they're starting to appreciate safety a little bit more, which um, is interesting. So it makes our job a little easier because they're open to safety suggestions and ideas to make their job easier. So, you know, ironically, I'm hearing a little bit less of the you know, this is the way I've done it for 30 years now, uh, approach. So um, it, it's been good and it's been refreshing. And, and I think uh, the, the culture of the industry is starting to shift a little bit more towards that, you know, let's do something safely and, and uh, easier um, so yeah. we can, you know, go home safer. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and are you seeing that, too, amongst the younger professionals have their safety conscience, too? Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of uh, the, um, the the folks coming out of the union halls and, and just general, uh, you know, carpenters, electricians, plumbers, um, laborers, most of these folks have the OSHA 30-hour training or the OSHA 10-hour training at least. So um, it's been a good training uh, for these folks and you know, I notice on some of our projects that the owner will actually require that anyone working must be trained by at least an OSHA 30-hour uh, trainer as well as uh, maybe the laborer has the OSHA 10-hour training. So there's certainly a requirement from owners that uh, a certain level of safety training is completed. And so that's been, that's been a, you know, a great plus as well as far as culture 
and maintaining that safe work culture. I think it was maybe a year or two ago, you approached me, Darren, you approached me and uh, mentioned a, a topic I never heard of before, preventing uh, through, through design. Is that still uh, active on your radar and still uh, uh, a needed process during the construction process? And do you want to explain what that is, first of all? Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, prevention through design is, uh, you know, it's a concept that's been around for years, uh, and it has a little bit of a, you know, change in name. But ultimately what the concept fundamentally is, is one that you think of safety, you know, I'll take building construction, for instance, um, you think of safety during the design of the building, uh, throughout the construction of the building, as well as the life cycle after we finish the building and the end user comes in to occupy this building, we, we think of safety all through it from cradle to grave, basically. So, you know, we obviously want to work safely while we're building it, but when we give up the, the project and the building is complete, and we turn it over to the owner who has custodial folks who need to, to work daily in this building or, um, you know, different types of maintenance folks. They have to maintain this building. And how do they do it in a safe manner? So prevention through design is really a concept of, you know, making sure that gauges, switches, light fixtures, and anything that must be maintained can be maintained in a safe manner. So the elimination of ladders, you know, maybe it's a, a light that can be lowered so uh, the bulb can be changed or maintained. And so, you know, the concept of just minimizing the risk is really what PTD is. And we continue to push that on all of our projects. And we do it in different levels. It depends what the owner's uh, buy-in from a safety standpoint and what they're willing to spend um, with the design phase. So, so it, it varies in different degrees. Um, you know, PTD is, is typically on all of our projects, but, you know, we certainly continue to push it as a company and uh, certain requirements. So um, kind of in a nutshell, that's what PTD is. But, um, okay. you know, again, it depends on who the owner is. Yeah. And the owner varies. I guess they could be involved, the occupants could be involved in the prevention through design process and kind of let their opinions weigh in, I'm guessing, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, really it's driven by the owner. So the owner may say, if, for instance, if the owner hires the architect, they, as well as the engineers, they really push the architects and engineers to, to design a building that's safe. You know, for instance, a parapet wall should be at 39 inches. Um, and of course, there's a cost to that. But if the owner is pushing the architect, the architect to design that building, uh, regardless of cost, you know, you may have typically a 12-inch parapet wall on a rooftop. So, if you can raise it to 39 inches, the folks who need to get out on that roof and maintain equipment and, and things like that can do so without fall protection because you already have that parapet wall at the at the required height. So that's kind of an example of PTD and uh, how the owner can certainly push it down to the architect and engineers to design that safe building. That's a that's a really interesting concept. I know when I when I worked for a contractor out in the central part of the state where where uh, your headquarters are, 
Um, nothing against that company, but that just wasn't at the time. That wasn't a, a, a thought of how to, you know, it was just here are your keys. We're on to the next project, um, and and literally pulling pulling together uh, the ability to to think beyond that is is a heck of a, a, a great service for your customers and as well as the people that are going to ultimately work in there beyond just the building and, and the, the trades and, and the other folks. So kudos to you guys for that. Yeah. And that's a great point too, Chris, because I think really that that's a, um, a, a key part of safety culture. And within Alexander, we have executive leadership who pushes safety. Um, we have a parent company, uh, Blitz, um, in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And, you know, that's our parent company. And from our parent company down through Alexander executive leaderships throughout, we have multiple safety directors. And so, you know, they're really, um, it's encouraging to know that they're pushing safety and they make our life easier when, you know, they, they expect safe, safe uh, work uh, projects and people working safely. So, and they typically give us the resources as safety directors to do our job and, and do what's needed to keep, uh, keep working safely. So, you know, really a good culture from a Alexander standpoint. Oh, that's good. I'm guessing along that process too, there's some good best practice, best practice sharing between Butts and Shoemaker and Alexander between yeah. the safety professionals. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. And, you know, in fact, uh, we're having a safety director meeting, uh, next Tuesday and, uh, the safety directors from each region basically get together. We typically do it, try to on a quarterly basis um, or at least, you know, twice a year. And we talk about best practices, what each region is doing for safety, um, sharing ideas, and just really a good general discussion on safety on, um, you know, where resources are needed and how we can do a better job and improve our, our project safety. It's a great opportunity, and again, it goes back to our executive leadership, you know, enabling us to do that and uh, providing resources of you know, time away from projects and, and uh, working on these ideas and, and concepts and making sure we can share these ideas. It definitely quite, starts at the top, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's no question that's, uh, you know, if you don't have good leadership in place uh, who focuses on safety, um, it makes it really difficult for everyone, uh, you know, working down um, to, to work safely and to really buy into it. So uh, it certainly starts at the top. Well, that's something we want to do also with this Building PA podcast is do a lot of best practice sharing. Um, and you gave so many good stories, good answers, hopefully something in there. Some company or some construction professional heard something that the light bulb went on and was, oh, that's a great idea. You know, we should try that. So we're, we're constantly yeah. wanting to drive home safety on this. Yeah, and safety these days is not um, something that <laughs> is sort of copyright. You know, in the past, people wanted to keep their ideas, you know, because they were their ideas. And nowadays, I see a lot more sharing of ideas with safety to promote safety um, just between different directors and, um, you know, safety professionals, everybody's willing to share their ideas or, you know, help each other out. And that certainly goes a long way with, 
um, working safely and, you know, especially in the construction industry, it's a pretty tight knit industry. So um, when you have different professionals helping each other, it, you know, helps us individually. And that certainly happens. And, uh, you know, at least with Alexander and, and uh, a lot of the subcontractors that we work with who have safety professionals. So, so um, yeah, it's really helpful. And, uh, you know, again, it's, it's about building, building uh, relationships and, and, and trust between each other. Well, Darren, thank you for, for taking time to talk safety with us. Um, I know uh, we'd love to have you come back on and we can, we can continue to have this conversation on safety um, if we can work, we'll reach out to you in the future and, and have you back on the Building PA podcast, that would be fantastic. I think you brought a lot of great, uh, great insight and, and best practices clearly from the Alexander Company. So thank you for that, and thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks, Darren. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good day. Thank okay. you. You too. Yeah.